I could turn the page And time that I'd rearrange just to fail to Close my, close my, close my eyes Then I couldn't find a way So I settled for one day to believe in you Tell me, tell me, tell me lies Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies Tell me lies, tell me, tell me lies Oh no, no, you can't disguise You can't disguise Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies Though I'm not making friends I hope that you understand There's a reason why Close your, close your, close your eyes We're back. I have no idea what was going on. None whatsoever. It's been doing this to me for the past few days anyway. Um, but it seems to be working a little bit better right now. I've been battling on the back end while... We were watching this farce of a supposed inauguration. I mean, how the heck was Joe Biden inaugurated as president of the United States at 1148 p.m. Eastern time, which means he was inaugurated as president while President Trump was still president? How does that even happen? It doesn't. So anyway, these are unprecedented times, unprecedented times. And for all of you that are jumping ship, hope you can swim and you're ready for some humble pie later. This has not been your average run of the mill politics. There is a lot at stake. You have to think. Their message was united. It was united. United. We need to be united. United. Very interesting. Gosh, it's still doing that same throttling right now. So I'm hoping this comes through well. I'll check the chat to see that you guys can hear our president because it's very important you hear him. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. And we love you. And I can tell you that from the bottom of my heart, this has been an incredible four years. Uh, we've accomplished so much together. I want to thank all of my family and my friends and my staff and so many other people for being here. I want to thank uh, you for your effort, your hard work. People have no idea how hard this family worked. They worked and they worked for you. They could have had a much easier life, uh, but they just, they did a fantastic job. I just want to thank all of you, everyone. Uh, I want to thank Mark Meadows, who's here someplace right there. I want to thank Mark. But it's been, uh, it's been something very special. We've accomplished a lot. Our first lady has been a woman of great grace and beauty and dignity. And so popular with the people, so popular with the people. In fact, honey, would you like to say a few words? Please. 
being your first lady was my greatest honor. Thank you for your love and your support. You will be in my thoughts and prayers. God bless you all. God bless your families. And God bless this beautiful nation. Thank you. What else has to be said, right? But what we've done, that's true, honey, great job. What we've done has been amazing by any standard. We rebuilt the United States military. We created a new force called Space Force. That in itself would be a major achievement for a regular administration. We were not a regular administration. We took care of the vets, 91% approval rating. They've never had that before. The vets have given us the VA. The vets have given us an approval rating like uh, has never been before. We took care of our vets and our beautiful vets. They were very badly treated before we came along. And uh, as you know, we get them great service and we pick up the bill and they can go out and they can see a doctor if they have to wait long periods of time. We got it so that we can sadly uh, get rid of people that don't treat our vets properly. We, had, we didn't have any of those rights before when I came on. So our vets are happy. Our people are happy. Our military is thrilled. We also got tax cuts, the largest tax cut and reform in the history of our country by far. I hope they don't raise your taxes. But if they do, I told you so. And uh, if you look at the regulations, which I consider the regulation cuts to be maybe even more important, that's why we have such good and have had such good job numbers. The job numbers have been absolutely incredible. When we started, had we not been hit by the pandemic, uh, we would have had uh, numbers that would never have been seen already. Our numbers are the best ever. If you look at what happened until February a year ago, our numbers were at a level that nobody had ever seen before. And even now, we really built it twice. We got hit. Nobody blames us for that. The whole world got hit. And then we built it again. And now the stock market is actually substantially higher than it was at its higher point prior to the pandemic. So it's uh, really, you could say, we built it twice. And uh, you're going to see... You're going to see incredible numbers start coming in if everything is sort of left alone. Be careful. Very complex. Be careful. But you're going to see some incredible things happening. And uh, remember us when you see these things happening, if you would. Remember us because uh, I'm, looking at, uh, I'm looking at elements of our economy that are set to be a rocket ship up. It's a rocket ship up. We have the greatest country in the world. We have the greatest economy in the world. And as bad as the pandemic was, we were hit so hard, just like the entire world was hit so hard. Places that thought they got away with it didn't get away with it. They're suffering right now. We did something that is uh, really considered a medical miracle. They're calling it a miracle. And that was the vaccine. We got the vaccine developed in nine months instead of nine years or five years or 10 years or a long time. It was supposed to take a long time, many, many years to develop a vaccine. We have two out. We have another one coming almost immediately. And uh, 
it really is a great achievement. So you should start to see really good numbers over the next uh, few months. I think you're going to see those numbers really skyrocket downward. And I can only say this. Uh, we have worked hard. We've left it all, as the athletes would say, we've left it all in the field. We don't have to. We don't have to come and say we'll never say in a month when we're sitting in Florida, we're not going to be looking at each other and saying, you know, if we only worked a little bit harder, you can't work harder. And we had a lot of obstacles and we went through the obstacles and we just got 75 million votes. And that's a record in the history of in the history of sitting presidents. That's an all-time record by a lot, by many millions in the history of sitting presidents. It's been really just an honor. And one of the things we're very, very proud of is the selection of almost 300 federal judges and three great Supreme Court justices. That's a very big number. That's a record-setting number. And uh, so we've done a lot, and there's still things to do. The first thing we have to do is pay our respects and our love to the incredible people and families who suffered so gravely from the China virus. It's a uh, horrible thing that was put onto the world. We all know where it came from, but it's a horrible, horrible thing. So be very careful, be very, very careful. But we want to pay uh, great love, great love to all of the people that have suffered, including families who have suffered so gravely. So with that, I, I just want to say you are amazing people this is a great great country it is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president I will always fight for you. I will be watching. I will be listening. And I will tell you that the future of this country has never been better. I wish the new administration great luck and great success. I think they'll have great success. They have the foundation to do something really spectacular. And again, we put it in a position like it's never been before, despite the worst plague to hit since, I guess you'd say 1917, over a hundred years ago. And despite that, despite that, the things that we've done have been just incredible and I couldn't have done them, done it without you. So just a goodbye. We love you. We will be back in some form. And again, uh, I want to just in leaving, I want to thank our vice president, Mike Pence and Karen. I want to thank Congress because we really worked well with Congress, uh, at least certain elements of Congress. 
But we really did. We've gotten so much done that nobody thought would be possible. But I do want to thank Congress. And I want to thank all of the great people of Washington, D.C., all of the people that we worked with to put this miracle together. So have a good life. We will see you soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm not playing music because YouTube's going to ban it. So I hope you listen to the president very carefully in what he had to say. Uh, it was um, pretty interesting. And as we say pretty interesting, it will be very interesting for you guys to now listen to his lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, and listen to what he had to say on Newsmax. It's very important that we pay attention to what they say. So here he is talking about his last talk with the president. Just want you to hear him with his own words. Tell you what's up. Taking account of what the law is, we recognize that Joseph Biden will be the next president of the United States and that's the law and we'll follow it. So, Mayor, what was it like being with the president in recent days as it winds down? You mentioned, I'm actually, you already told me his mood. What's he doing? Uh, how does he wrap up loose ends? I understand pardons are in the work, but like, how does a president with just a couple of days left on the job, um, how does he spend his time? <laughs> I know it's very, it's very interesting. I mean, you try to you try to solidify the most important things that you that, that you did. He, made, he uh, kept checking on the vaccine distribution program, which is, a, I think, a historic accomplishment. I mean, there's just no president in our history that ever would have gotten that done so quickly. I think Fauci said it would take two and a half years. He did it in less than a year. Uh, no one's ever done that. I think he's uh, right to the very end. He's working on things that will stimulate the economy because he's kind of brought the economy back already from the pandemic. But we got the market at highs, employment's back. He's kind of working on the things that were important to him. He did a couple of last minute tweets on the trade deals, uh, which again, have restored American jobs. He, he's been doing his job right up until the very end. Yes, he's been considering pardons as all presidents do at this stage. I think President Obama gave a thousand or something. So uh, it, won't be any, it won't be anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I, I used to be uh, in charge of the pardon attorney's office for President Reagan. So President Reagan gave eight or nine hundred pardons. Hey, he has the absolute uh, authority to do this. Um, I'm curious if you saw what Mitch McConnell uh, did on the floor of the United States Senate. No, I, uh, I want to play this uh, and we'll uh, we'll talk about it. Yeah. The mob was fed lies. They were provoked by the president and other powerful people. Um, here's the thing, Senator McConnell. We all saw the evidence. That's not true. But uh, leaving that aside, how did the president take this development, Mitch McConnell deserting him like that? And how do you feel, sir? Well, I'll tell you how I feel, not how the president feels. I, I just don't like liars. Never like liars, whether they pose as senators or anybody else. I mean, he's lying. I have the video evidence to prove it. I have the video evidence to prove that Antifa had a lot more to do with that than anybody else. And so did Groyper and several other groups that are anti-Trump. I have uh, the videos uh, from John Sullivan saying, let's come to Washington and dump the president, threats on the president. 
that the Secret Service ignored, that the government is still ignoring. I have this one and a half hour videotape leading to the murder that took place. This wasn't uh, Trump. It wasn't Trump at all. Trump, Trump was still speaking when they broke into the Capitol. And then you remember that very dramatic moment with the congressman who said, have you presented one witness, one witness from the speech that came over to the Capitol? And there was a minute of silence. Now, I don't know if anybody did, but they presented no witnesses that did that. So for McConnell to say what he's saying, it's just a flat out lie. So um, let me ask you this, your exposure, sir, forgive me, we touched on this last week. We know that you can't participate in any impeachment defense because you were a witness technically, potentially. Um, you mentioned the word combat. Are you feeling, I know you in your heart what you, you did not mean for anybody to be hurt. You weren't looking for that, but are you in any kind of trouble? Do you feel like you've got exposure see, for yourself? I don't see how, how uh, that could ever be used as a suggestion for violence because uh, I said it, no one got violent. <laughs> the crowd didn't go into some kind of violent uproar when I said that. For there to be incitement, they would have to have reacted to what I said. They understood what I was talking about. To show incitement by me or, or, Professor, or Professor Eastwood or the president or Don Jr., You'd have to see that crowd like that, yeah. really angry. And you go take a look at that crowd. Those poor people had a hard time getting up with so-called. I heard it's, um, it's totally I, ridiculous. I heard a former prosecutor a continuation of what they've been doing to him for five years, trying to frame him and trying to frame the people around him, like, like General Flynn. Total harassment, total harassment. Uh, but by the it's way, disgusting. I did hear that from a former federal prosecutor down there who was in charge for a time of prosecuting protesters who got carried away, that this situation did not come close. You have uh, been by the president's side for a long time. You uh, did an amazing job leading New York City. You have had an incredibly eventful life. Now that the president is leading, leaving office, what's next for you? Well, we'll see. I mean, there are a lot of things that that, uh, that I'll be doing. One of them will be to make sure that the truth about all this gets out. And another another will be to make sure that we can put together a political party that can fight what I see. I mean, put aside everything else we haven't spent enough time on, all the things that Biden has in mind for us. I mean, starting with open borders and people already coming to the border because they're going to get free health insurance. At a time when he's worried about COVID, He's going to have more people coming into the country illegally. I mean, that's a little stupid, isn't it? Hey, by the way, do you think the president's on board with a third political party? Have the two of you discussed that? I have not. I mean, I'm a Republican. I'm a very loyal Republican. I'd rather reform the Republican Party and throw the traitors out. I mean, that would be my, I mean, he, he represents the party of Lincoln better than any president I know in my lifetime, with the exception probably of Ronald Reagan. I consider them equal. I mean, he has that sense of individualism and the fact that we have to make our own decisions. And if we can make our own decisions, we can make the greatest country on earth. And if we have to submit to government, we, we see what happens with these semi-dictators like Cuomo and, and Newsom and the guy in Illinois. And, you know, if, if your mask is half off, they want to put you in front of a firing squad. Mayor Giuliani, come back very soon, please. Now you're going to be a little bit more. I'm not going anywhere. Right. Well, I know. And quite frankly, with the president uh, back in Mar-a-Lago, you'll have a bit more time to come on Newsmax. And uh, it's kind of I'm wild. Always, you've worked always, for, I, by always, my uh, count. Available to Newsmax. And I, 
I very much admire what, what you and your uh, network and and, uh, and Mr. Ruddy are doing. Amen. We're all very Thank grateful. Thank you, you very you much. Have, you uh, to be continued, sir. Take care. Thank you. So we saw Rudy Giuliani coming up and uh, having Newsmax make it clear to everyone that he cannot represent the president and his, as his personal attorney because uh, the he may be a witness. And as you heard Mitch McConnell, uh, he has uh, shifted all the blame to the president. So this is where it comes down to you. Now they will move forward because they have to. They have to ensure that the um, facade, the uh, fake, mm, I don't want to say that, the, <laughs> how the heck was he inaugurated 12 minutes prior to the president actually not being president is beside me. I remember how many times that I've told you this is like the Hunger Games, right? Didn't Lady Gaga look like she was the section one chick coming out to sing? Did you see that? I mean, it's not happenstance, happen chance that I've been saying this is like the Hunger Games. I think all of you saw that so uh this is this is it i said that the majority of you will jump ship i said that the majority of you are going to put your arms down bend the knee and be the good little obedient slaves that you should be and this is fact because people don't like hard work there's a lot of journalists and i'm gonna put air quotes decoders and Whoever else you've propped up on platform that have sat there and told you all these things, I have been telling you for a very long time. This has all been very well planned. <laughs> but part of the plan is you doing your bit. And if it's not 120 million and it's only 10,000, we still get it done. Uh, because you cannot expect someone to come and pamper you and dust you off and put on your diapers. Many people are terrified of retribution, of being attacked. Hmm? Well, you've got about six months of no attack. Six months under the United message. Because it would totally strangle their voice of unity if they were to come after you, correct? There is so much planning that has gone into this. I, for years, have been saying we're going to have a new party. I kept reminding people, yeah, you know, there is no Democrat, no Republican. They're one party, and it's right there. And now everyone, only a couple of months ago, said we're going to create our own party. Oh, great to see you on board. And all the people that have jumped on with the, yeah, let's do a new party, are now jumping ship, bowing down, aligning with what their masters demand them to do. That inauguration was so horrific to watch there were faces that were being made uh, there was a face mm. and i screenshot it mind you youtube now does not allow you to screenshot your screen i had to do some print screen paint thing to get it done but there was a face that was made that was the face of oh my gosh we got away with it and it's like not so fast because i did tell you their message is united 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 and then you see gaga coming out with that big ass bird singing horribly 
And then you had J-Lo singing the commie song. Nothing says America like singing a commie song and doing it in, in another language, too. Just, you know, to bring it in. And Hunter's there, relieved. <laughs> Unitedagainstbiden.com. Yes, we've registered that, too. And this is how we move forward. Today, the formulation of that letter going out to state legislature uh, will be finalized. I will be sharing that in the Telegram group and putting it up on the Tory Says page that I'm making, which is I'm trying to figure out a way where you guys can sign up. And I don't want you through the web page to put your information. Uh, it'll direct you to a Telegram group uh, that I will um, have where you can speak directly to me and then we can create a secret chat and exchange information. I mean, just your email will be there in whatever name you want. Um, unless I can get the secure server, I'm just trying to figure it out because uh, the way I have my website is so that it doesn't track your metrics. Um, that's why I pay a lot more every month to have that website. So when people go to torysays.com, um, it doesn't log your IP. It actually scrambles your IP for you. So even if you're using a VPN, it's going to put a VPN on you too. Uh, so I make sure that privacy is there uh, for, for everyone. So uh, we're going to begin uh, the whole battle um, because we are the troops and our general is um, awaiting. Yes. And um, he kind of told you that too. This is 1776 2.0. And... Uh, to understand, even though I'm angry that many people are jumping ship, I've also made it very clear that I loathe the quality of self-preservation. And someone might say, well, you can't hold someone accountable for thinking about their job, their home, their whatever. Mm. See, reason is the biggest enemy. Well, not the biggest enemy. Reason is the advocate for self-preservation. So, when you might think, oh, there's a homeless guy on the street. I'm going to give him the 20 bucks I have in, in my pocket. And then you hand it over. You're ready to hand it over. But reason says, wait a minute, dude. But what if your paycheck doesn't clear tomorrow? Maybe you should hold on to that. Wait a minute. Um, maybe you want to go buy yourself a drink later with your friends. Don't give him that. He's just a homeless guy. Reason is the biggest advocate for self-preservation. Hence what I've been stressing. Trust your gut. There have been many times in your life, I'm sure, just like in mine, where you do something 100% pure good and you do it and you don't think about it. And then you like get in your car or walk away and think, damn it, I shouldn't have done that because, you know, I needed that $5 now, right? True story here. Hold on. A, a very good example. Uh, I was um, at, in Kentucky. I was at a parking garage and I had, um, I had to pay, you know, to get out. Um, it, I remember clearly that it said you have to have cash, right? So when I finished um, my um, shadowing and um, uh, got myself ready uh, to get back in the car <clears throat> to leave, right? I had taken out money from the ATM. Hmm. But there was this um, young man uh, who was with his mom who was hurt. And he was at the little station there where they get coffee and food. 
and you know, he was giving his card and it was constantly declined. So I gave him the $10 bill I had, right? $10 bill that I had, I gave it to him. And I walked my car. I didn't even think, oh, I need this $10 to, you know, uh, pay for my, my parking so that I can get out. I, I didn't even think of it. I just was, I didn't even have a combo. I just gave it to him. I just, it was my first thing to do is like, here you go. You're hungry. You're in the hospital. You're in distress. Here you go. I, I get into my car uh, to go. And as I stopped, the guy was like, we're doing cash only. And I'm like, uh, but I don't, I don't have any cash on me. Um, maybe I can go to the ATM. So he's like, yeah, you know, pull out, you know, so I had to temporarily park and then walk across campus through the building to go and pull money out. Okay. So I go to pull out money from the ATM. And as I'm pulling out money, I'm just asking for $20 from the ATM. It spits out a hundred dollars. I kid you not. I only asked for 20 and I was like, damn, did it charge me? So I, it spits out a hundred dollars. So I get to my car, I pay, I leave, I go home. The next day I call my bank and I'm like, Hey, so I asked the ATM to give me $20, but it actually gave me a hundred dollars. And, um, I didn't see that I was billed for, for, for a hundred dollars, just $20. I mean, what do I do? I mean, you know, <laughs> you know what the, the lady said? Keep it. It's, it, you've just been charged 20 and it's not theft if it just gave it to you. So you're good. So that's just an example <laughs> of how it comes back to you differently. When you do things without thinking of self-preservation, when you don't think of reasoning, when you just do it, to just do it, it comes back to you tenfold. So I, I wanted, I, I think that would be like the best example for me, right? Um, to kind of showcase what I mean by it. So while all of us are worried, oh my gosh, I'm going to go to jail. They're going to attack me. I have a business. I have this. I have that. You have the grace of God looking down on you right now, empowering you. We have been doing everything right. And if you noticed throughout the whole inauguration, no one was comfortable. Not even one. Not even one person seemed comfortable. Now, I wanted to um, have uh, Representative Lauren Bobbert. Uh, she had uh, some really interesting things to say about uh, what people need to be careful of and to be aware of in Biden's first 100 days. Now, these 100 days play a massive role in where I'm going with this. <laughs> Okay, you're looking at Joe Biden's agenda for the first 100 days. Uh, mass use of executive orders, reverse the travel ban from primarily Muslim countries, rejoin Paris Climate Accord, a mask mandate, and push Congress to approve a $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill. We are joined right now by Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, Republican of Colorado, freshman. She has made a huge impact already on Capitol Hill. Congratulations on everything you're achieving. Welcome to Newsmax, The Greg Kelly Show. Congresswoman, how are you tonight? I am doing excellent. How are you doing? Terrific. Thank you for being here. Sorry we ran the president's speech at the top, so we don't have too much time. You, you know about President Biden's agenda. What are you planning to do about it? 
this is what we all expected and so much more. Uh, there goes America's energy independence. And uh, so far, I haven't even been able to get on the floor and, and speak to this uh, and, and the needs that we have for our energy independence because we are running through snap sham impeachments already. Uh, so the Democrats' hypocrisy is on full display. I'm here to work for the people of Colorado's third district and uh, opening our economy and keeping America energy independent and pursuing energy dominance is a part of that. Uh, Congresswoman, uh, we know what happened on January 6th. You were the victim, I believe, of a smear campaign. Certain individuals were observed. One was for a time reported to be, falsely reported to be your mother, I think we have some images of that. This story went viral for a little bit. Anything you'd like to tell us about all of this? Uh, this is absolutely disgusting. And this is the politics of personal destruction. This is what the Democrats are known best for. Uh, they will go on and lie about their opponents uh, to whatever degree necessary so we can get away from the issues that really matter, the issues that are really affecting Americans. Uh, and uh, yeah, you see these images here. Uh, that is not my mother. And it's absolutely disgusting to uh, put her life in danger by making these allegations that it is her. Uh, first of all, my mom wouldn't be in a pink hat. She'd be in a leopard hat. And the sunglasses those lady, that lady was wearing are far too cheap to be my mom's. Congresswoman, my apologies. Will you come back soon? I think you're doing amazing work. And uh, I think you're going to make a big, big historical uh, contribution. So uh, let's continue the conversation. Thank you so much. You got it. So I met um, Lauren at uh, in D.C. Uh, in early December. Uh, she is incredible. She's feisty. She's honest. And she's so freaking tiny. But she's a powerhouse. Her consistency in the messaging is important. And that is what all of you need to be honing in on. Consistency of message. Now, I found this video. And forgive me if I don't have much of a uh, source uh, other than this clip because I don't know. I think this lady is Canadian. Um, I was at tweeted by someone, uh, which was interesting. And she spoke uh, to people. So it was, it was really, um, really interesting to watch. So if anyone had uh, more information on this lady, I would kindly appreciate it. I'm going to share this with you now so you can watch and, and, and listen to it um, so you can understand what I've been saying. You believe you will take office as the 19th president of the United States on March 4th under a restored republic. Let me explain. You believe you live in a nation called the United States of America. This nation hasn't existed since 1871, when this country ceased to be a nation and became a corporation belonging to the city of London. Every time you see an American flag with a gold fringe and gold tilt attached to it, it represents the corporation, not the, com not the country. Wow. This is the reason you can never make progress financially. This is why the law always seems to be against the average citizen while the rich and the elite literally get away with murder and worse things. If Biden, Harris, Pence, Pelosi, etc., are arrested for their crimes before January 20th, there will be no one to assume the presidency. 
Since Trump has not been certified as the presidential winner by Congress, he cannot remain president. If there is no president on January 20th, the corporation known as the United States of America will be dissolved. What? <laughs> the military will then become the guardians of the nation during the transition. People will then have irrefutable proof um, that the election was stolen by foreign entities and that Trump was chosen by a landslide. Trump then assumes the presidency as the 19th president of the United States. The last president elected before America became a corporation was Ulysses S. Grant, Republic Restored. Now, I really don't know all the details involved in this. Just know the end goal has always been the destruction of the 1871 corporation and the return of America to the people of the Constitutional Republic. It has always intended, was always intended to be. The next month and a half will be chaotic. Make sure you have plenty of water, food, your meds, anything else you need. Comply with the National Guard and United States Marine Corps. They took oath to the nation. So I don't know this lady. And some of the things she says is correct. And some of the things she says is, I don't know. But what I can tell you is, is that all of us, there have been fail-safes to ensure that we're safe. And even though military take orders, it always has to go through the sniff test, right? The smell test. Does it smell right? Does it feel right? Is this what the oath is like? Now, as I've said before, the one thing that they fear is you. They don't fear President Trump. They don't fear anyone, really, except for you. They believe that they have won, and this is exactly what I said months ago was to occur. They need to get as high as possible so they can fall as hard as possible. It is an unprecedented time right now. And while everyone is in chaos and nobody is on board with this, I mean, I was watching mainstream media feeds uh, ABC, NBC, CNN didn't have it. Um, only Epic Times had chats enabled and only 7,000 were on NDD. It was as if no one was allowed to express what they wanted. All chats were disabled because they knew. They knew exactly what was going to occur. And for now, they have a an army in Washington, D.C., and no one is asking why. Why do they have an army in D.C.? What was it that they wanted to do? What was it that the, this army that they have there deterred? These are questions you should ask yourself. Another thing is Twitter tweeted out something really bizarre. There's a new at White House. Follow the latest from the new at White House. What? How did that happen? These are all things that you have to be paying attention to. They have so much, oh, I have to be careful what I say. There are so many military persons within Washington, D.C. right now, and there is no actual reason for it. So one should ask themselves, why, are, why is there so much military in Washington, D.C. right now? Somebody needs to come up with some saying, oh, we thought we believed, well, there were riots, 
we thought we believed. Mm -hmm. First of all, in Washington, D.C., you're not allowed to have weapons. That's number one. Number two, you can cut off access to Washington, D.C. with a good 5,000 people. Why do you have over 30,000? You can cut access off. These are questions that need to be asked. Why does every capital have that much manpower in it right now? Why do they have so much manpower? These are questions you need to ask yourself. You're the taxpayer. You're paying for this. What is it that's there? Another thing you saw is Mike Pence with Lady Gaga. Did you see that? Did you see how he attended the inauguration as well? These are questions you should ask yourself. It's so bizarre. These people are sick. They were laughing. They didn't know, oh, should we put our hand over our chest uh, when she, when Gaga is, you know, singing the national anthem? What do we do? Do we just sit there? You have to pay attention and look beyond what you see. I really hope that you can trust your gut to see beyond the fog of lies because it all relies on you. If you submit, it's over. If you submit, it's over. And most of you are submitting. And the trolls are going to be out in full force. They will be everywhere. There will be nonstop trolling for everything. So I want you guys to listen and slash watch this little clip. Of um, It's kind of uh, pretty interesting. Uh, it's a little clip that talks about Abraham Lincoln's nickname. I want you guys to to listen slash this. Kind of cute. Abraham Lincoln, a la schmuck. Wonder how long he had to pose for the penny. Only four hours. You've probably heard people say that Abraham Lincoln is the greatest president in U.S. history. Lincoln freed many slaves, saved the Union, and could leap higher than the tallest building. Actually, that last one might have been Clark Kent. Can I be super president? But at least Lincoln had a superhero-style nickname, Honest Abe. And his likeness stares down at us from up on high on Mount Rushmore, as if he were a god surveying a universe of mere mortals. Lincoln was a great president, sure, but he was also a human being who hoped, despaired, loved, and bled just like the rest of us. Sometimes when we study great historical figures, it's easy to forget that they were also just people with weaknesses and worries like we have right now. Did I leave the stove on? As that Shakespeare fellow once said, be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. Before Lincoln became president, he suffered from bouts of extreme depression. <sighs> When he was suicidal, his friends would actually lock him in a near-empty room for days so he couldn't hurt himself. They didn't have psychiatric medication or any real treatment for depression in those days. As a result, Lincoln struggled with mental illness his entire life. However, despite his lifelong struggles, Lincoln was intelligent, kind, brave, and a great president. We elected him to lead our country during its most difficult times. Doesn't it seem unlikely that somebody with serious mental illness in his or her past would be elected president nowadays? We research virtually every issue in a politician's past, and it seems like nobody who went through much more adversity makes the cut anymore. 
you think Abraham Lincoln could ever get elected today? Oh, yeah. If not, does that mean our system is too hypercritical of those who run for public office? That we analyze to death small events in otherwise great lives, blowing up those small events to mean more than they should? Right on. What should we be willing to look past and forgive? Zebras don't change their spots. And what is truly a red flag? I've never heard of a water gate. Shmup amongst yourselves, let us know what you think. Haru, Nixon's back. All right. So I wanted you to see that just before I introduce you to the analysis of the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. This was actually aired over nine years ago. I want you guys to take a look at what rights have been removed away from you. I want you to understand this so that you understand where we are. Now you'll see that, um, oh, hold on, it's it already started and I need it to pause. <laughs> I want you to see here, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. This is the key point that I want you guys to focus on. Obviously, the First Amendment, I'll be interjecting, so that way I can bring some light into it because a lot of people say that oh it's free speech it's not just free speech free speech isn't just you being able to sit on your soapbox on the corner to say what you want or to protest okay or uh the freedom of press that uh you know journalists can't be uh you know sued or jailed for reporting the news which we don't have anyway because the media both left and right have done so much they have done such a huge disservice to the people so let's go through this one by one. Aspen Institute, I'm with Jeffrey Rosen of the National Constitution Center. We've been talking about the document that sets forth our nation, the Constitution, and now we're on to the Bill of Rights. Let's just start with the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Okay, let's stop there. What does that mean? Well, uh, the states at the time of the Bill of Rights had established religion, congregationalism and Unitarianism in Massachusetts and Connecticut and so forth. So at the very least, this clause is designed to prevent Congress from creating a national church that would disestablish the state establishments. So if you want to get a little complicated, it's an anti-disestablishment anti clause. It's basically saying the reason Congress can't set up a national church, but the reason it can't do that is because the states have to be free to maintain their own establishment. So in other churches. words, the states under the Constitution could establish religion. Well, at the time of the framing, they could. However, after the Bill of Rights was incorporated against the states, uh, after the passage of the 14th Amendment, states can no longer establish religion either. There are some scholars who think that it was wrong to incorporate the Establishment Clause against the states, and indeed Justice Clarence Thomas has taken that position. He says, apparently, that the states, if they choose, should be free to set up established religions today. Wow. And it says, though, that it can't prohibit the free exercise of religion. Does that add something to that? It sure does. Uh, it, there's a difference between establishing a church, which the Establishment Clause prohibits, and creating exemptions for religiously motivated individuals who want to be free from obeying generally applicable laws. So just recently we had a controversy over whether uh, religiously motivated corporations who don't want to provide contraception uh, coverage under the Affordable Care Act should get an exemption. That case was litigated under the so-called Religious Freedom Restoration Act, but some people also think that to compel these corporations to provide the coverage would have violated their free exercise rights under the First Amendment. 
And when did we end up getting what we call separation of church and state? Well, the metaphor, uh, Thomas Jefferson had uh, used a version of it. Uh, George Washington had talked about toleration for the Jews of Newport, but it wasn't until uh, the post-war period that uh, the, the principle was formally established that uh, in striking down school prayer, uh, the Supreme Court said that states had to respect the separation of church and state, and that was when the First Amendment really got up and running. And the amendment goes on to say that Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble. This seems to be the real core of what we were fighting for in our revolution. If you had to pick out three central words of the Bill of Rights, it would have to be freedom of speech or make it for the freedom of speech. Absolutely. Uh, the speech of James Otis denouncing the writs of assistance, the uh, other uh, pamphlets filed by the colonists criticizing King George, the Declaration of Independence itself, all were centrally rooted in this idea that freedom of speech was a natural right that came from God and not from government, and that the British system, which was to punish people for seditious libel, in other words, for criticizing the king, was an offense. Under the British system, uh, the truer the libel, the greater the crime. In other words, if you said something bad about the king that was true, then you go to jail for even longer. <laughs> um, Madison and Jefferson in the Virginia and Kentucky resolutions criticized the Adams administration for trying to criminalize its critics in the so-called Alien and Sedition Acts, which remarkably uh, criminalized speech against the Federalist president, Adams, but not against the uh, Republican vice president, Thomas Jefferson. It wasn't until uh, the 1960s that the Supreme Court formally repudiated seditious libel and said that speech can only be banned if it threatens to cause imminent lawless action. But these, let's call them forwards, the freedom of speech, the most litigated, the most uh, cherished. Give an example of how we're litigating the freedom of speech today. It is impossible to think of a topic that's not being litigated as the freedom of speech from campaign finance reform, where the Supreme Court held that corporations have the same free speech rights as natural persons, to uh, the funeral uh, protests, where the Supreme Court said that uh, you can say hateful things in front of funerals, uh, even if they're deeply offensive, to the uh, question of whether abortion protesters can be prohibited from approaching people near a clinic. Uh, most of our most hotly contested questions involve freedom of speech. It's remarkable what a bipartisan agreement there is about the centrality of the First Amendment. There are cases striking down vile and offensive uh, videos that depict offense against animals, for example, or violent uh, restrictions on violent video games. All of these laws have been repudiated by bipartisan majorities of the Supreme Court. Really, the American free speech tradition is the crown jewel of our constitutional tradition. It's the one thing that distinguishes us from Europe, which at this very moment is recognized a broad new right to be forgotten in the European Court so of Justice. Words, forcing people to take down Google links, which in a way is a real abridgment of a freedom of speech. According Are you guys paying attention? So this is exactly where the problem lies. Right. So they're talking about bipartisan SCOTUS majorities, which we haven't had in at least 100 years. And they are uh, creating precedent for people to be silenced, because if someone finds it offensive or violent, that that's not protected. So if you're offended, then it's not protected. Remember, I did tell you a year ago, February 6th, 2020. One year ago. 
about SCOTUSgate. And you're going to see that pop like nobody's business. Like I said, by the end of February, February 21st to 23rd, you're going to see that everything will be just fine. Though, in essence, a lot of you have to participate because it is your nation. And there were others uh, that um, had been uh, saying all the right things to help facilitate the communications. And it turns out it was all self-preservation um, and self-promotion. Um, so um, that turned out to be quite interesting. Uh, very interesting. So again, I want you to pay attention to the freedom of speech portion. This is this video, I believe, is from nine years ago, right? Am I correct? Yeah, 2014. Okay, so that's seven years ago. Um, my bad. I thought it was older. So here is where we're going to continue. To the American tradition, speech cannot be banned, if, even if it's offensive, unless it threatens to cause imminent violence. That's a remarkable achievement. And in it's interesting that, once again, this is something that cuts across liberal and conservative. You can have a Scalia as well as a Ginsburg be very absolutist on freedom of speech at times. Completely so. The justice who's most uh, passionate about speech is Justice Anthony Kennedy, but it's inspiring to see these nine to zero opinions protecting the speech we hate, as Justice Saul Wendell Holmes uh, called it, because the justices feel that it's yeah, it sort of comes down from that march in Skokie, Illinois, once when the Nazis got to march, and the Supreme Court was very clear that you know, can't stop that, right? It's most important to protect the speech of those we hate. And finally, it says, or of the press right here. Does that give a special status to the press? Is the speech of a journalist more important than that of an ordinary citizen? Well, some people think that it should have special status. And in fact, Justice John Paul Stevens, in his dissenting opinion in the Citizens United case, said it's appropriate to treat the New York Times, which is a for-profit corporation, differently than Exxon because the press clause of the First Amendment signals out the press as deserving special constitutional protection. Isn't that kind of confusing in a day when anybody can be a blogger? Sure is, and that's why bloggers have been the main opponents of so-called journalist shield laws because shield laws are based on the idea that you have to distinguish between the professional press and everyone else. And now that everyone with Wi-Fi is a journalist, that's a line that's pretty hard to draw. Well, once again, it shows how our Constitution remains a living document. It does indeed, and yet always rooted in the original understanding of the framers. Thank you. Thank you. So did you see that last phrase, bloggers oppose journalist shield laws, that they need to discern which one's what, credible and which one's not? <laughs> does that tell you anything right there? But it also pointed out that anyone can be a journalist, and that's true. And anyone can put the information out as long as they have the internet. Are you seeing where the, the problem is here? Now, I want you guys to pay attention to the Fourth Amendment now. And this is quite key for what is to come in the next two weeks. Two weeks. You'll see the importance of this bill right here. Hey guys, welcome to Hip Hughes History. Who there? It's 
the Fourth Amendment, baby. As the Constitution for Dummy series rolls on forward, wherever you stand on the issues, guys, we want you to stand smart. And that starts with knowing the text of the Constitution. So let's read it, let's interpret it, let's look at it. Giddy up, I'm ready to do the teaching. Are you ready to do the learning? There, let's do it right now. All right, before we look at the words of the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution, which is basically about search and seizure, we really want to give uh, credence to the British for getting us the Fourth Amendment because they were using something during colonial times called writs of assistance. And these uh, issued warrants based on basically just innuendo and reasonable suspicion were being exploited by the British to uh, go through suspected smuggler stuff. This is a reaction to kind of the taxing issue that's going on um, in the 1760s in colonial America. And the British are pissed and they're going through our stuff and they're using these flimsy writs of assistance. So that experience, that experience of not having clear language about what gives the permission of the government to go through my stuff, my castle, turns into the Fourth Amendment. So let's look at the words. Pay attention. They're really important. Bang. The right of the people to be secure in their persons. Houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. All right, so we have very specific language, and in a moment we're going to look at three basic questions. What constitutes search and seizure? You have to activate search and seizure in order to need that search warrant. And then B, if we do have enough evidence, what does that rise to in terms of probable cause? What does probable cause mean? And thirdly, what happens if the police ignore this? If there's not a good search warrant, um, is there any repercussions? So um, if we look at selective incorporation, and selective incorporation is this concept that um, the 14th Amendment and the clause, uh, the due process clause, no state shall deny its citizens due process, is going to create an opportunity for the court through judicial review and the Warren Court to basically take that Fourth Amendment and to make some universal kind of national rules about what search and seizure really means and what's going to occur if the police violate that rule. So let's take a look at the basic rules of search and seizure. What is search? So a court case called Smith versus Mary is what really defines um, whether search and seizure is going to rise to the level where you're going to need a search warrant. And basically what the court says is that two things have to occur before we even go to search warrants and then talk about probable cause. The first is, is that there's an individual expectation of privacy, that you expect what you're doing is guarded. And then second, that society expects that as well, that there's kind of a a national um, acceptance of this principle that this activity is protected under the Fourth Amendment. These rules do kind of like a, a, a breathe a little bit. Let's look at how they breathe out and expand your rights. They expand your rights first in Weeks versus the United States, where basically what the court's going to say in 1914, that is if the federal agents find evidence illegally without a search warrant, you can't use that evidence at trial. And this is interpreting the words of the Fourth Amendment. Now, if you're a strict interpretationalist, 
And sometimes I'll hear people online talking about how we have to follow the letter of the Constitution, that there is nowhere in the Fourth Amendment a clause that states if you don't have a search warrant, you find evidence. What happens to that evidence? So Matt versus Ohio, 1961, is the court case that expands this to the states. We've talked about this in other lectures, selective incorporation. The court using the 14th Amendment, and the 14th Amendment has this language, no state shall deny its citizens equal protection and due process under the law. So in 1961, there was a little old lady named Matt, and the police went to her house without a warrant. They were looking for a suspect in a crime, and she wanted a search warrant. They gave her a phony search warrant, and then they ripped the lady's house apart. And they ended up in her basement going through her drawers. They find a chest. They open it up. And inside is dirty magazines of scene pornography at the time. Hashtag ew. She's a nasty, dirty little old lady. But in this court case, what she's going to argue is that no state, Ohio, shall deny me, Mrs. Mapp, due process under the law, meaning that if you don't have a search warrant, there has to be a repercussion. And that repercussion, the court is going to decide, is the expansion of the exclusionary rule. You've seen it on Law & Order a million times. So in Terry versus Ohio, guys, what the court did was they limited the Fourth Amendment by saying that the police didn't need a search warrant when it came down to kind of these short-term encounters, that if the cops had reasonable suspicion to think that you're a flight risk or that there's evidence that you might be a danger to them or something like that, that they had the right for their own protection to do a pat-down and not needing a search warrant to do that or to stop you for questioning um, or maybe look in the glove box if they felt there was a threat there or something like that. What becomes interesting is that they do need reasonable suspicion. They need some type of fact to grab onto. So I've seen videos on YouTube. You probably can check out the link below. I'll put it in the description where um, a law student carrying a gun basically tells the police uh, or asks the police, what right do you have to ask me anything, right? What did I do wrong? And the cop says, some people called and said there was a guy with a gun. He says, I was the guy with a gun. I have a license. Can I go? And he says, I'd like to see some ID. He says, I don't have to give you ID. Well, I'm going to give you ID. No, what did I do wrong? If I did something wrong, tell me what I did wrong. I'll give you ID. And he was really, really standing on the Fourth Amendment, saying that if this is a search and seizure, if you're stopping me and getting in the middle of my natural right life, you need a reason. So I don't know if you should try it out there on the streets, guys, but that's what happened. So where do you have this expectation of privacy? And that's really what comes down to um, the Katz decision. This is really where they expanded um, uh, search warrants from not just a physical location, to, but to the individual. I believe that they had wiretapped the outside of a phone booth and they were trying to get this dude, I guess, uh, Katz. And he went into the phone booth. He thought that he was having a private conversation and it was being recorded. And the police said, we don't need a search warrant because we're not invading this guy's home. It's a public area. And what the, uh, the judges said in that court case was that there was an expectation of privacy. So if you have an expectation of privacy, then in a sense, they need a search warrant. And of course, we've defined that further by saying there's a societal expectation as well. Are there exceptions to search warrants? Of course there are. We can't you know, kid ourselves. For instance, there's the plain view doctrine. So if you have your curtains open and you're in the window and you are 
you know, stabbing the guy and you see the police and you're like, yo, what's up? Hey, yo, they don't need a warrant to come in, right? Not only is that going to be plain view, but that's going to be what's basically emergency circumstances. That's another rule. You don't need a warrant if someone's screaming bloody murder inside a home. You also have a consent exception. So, of course, this is what the police want you to do. You know, ma'am, do you mind if we look through the trunk? Yeah, you're done. They're going to look through the trunk and they have the legal right to. You also have court cases like U.S. versus Leon which in the 1980s created a good faith exception to the uh, to the search warrant. So if the police are acting in good faith and they think they have a good search warrant and they go to 400 Main Street when they should be going to 300 Main Street, but I don't know, a raindrop hit the number, that the evidence seized at that wrong address is going to be used in court because the cops didn't do it with bad faith. It was an honest mistake. You also have the court case Nix versus Williams. In Nix versus Williams, you have the inevitable discovery doctrine that basically if you have a bad warrant, but they were going to find that evidence anyway, maybe they were doing house to house searches for some legal reason. I don't know that that evidence can be put into trial as well. But there's also been some wins, some wins for the people. Recently, there was a court case that examined whether or not the cops could put a GPS monitor on your car. And uh, that was struck down. They said, no, that you had an expectation of privacy when you're driving around, that you're not being GPS. There was another court case where they couldn't get a search warrant. So what the cops would do is they bring drug dogs to the front of your door. And then the drug would be like, the dog would be like, rah, 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 drug from the house. And they'd use that to get the search warrant. And the court struck that down. They said that was an invasion of privacy. The Fourth Amendment rocks the party that rocks the party. Because not only is it a great amendment to talk about when you're talking about your most very basic freedoms, your houses, your castle, but you have all of these current events which just kind of smack right into it. So what do you... So it's really important that you pay attention to what he's saying about the Fourth Amendment, about seizure and expectation of privacy. Because in, the, in this age of information, your free speech is indeed incorporated with your right to privacy. Are you getting what I'm saying now? I want you to pay attention to this carefully. Uh, he dumbs it down pretty well and brings up really good examples. Free speech, right, that you have online through your emails, your chats, your DMs, not the ones on public forum. We're talking about groups that you subscribe to, right? Um, your DMs, your Facebook messengers, your texts, right? Are all part of your communications. So you have an expectation of privacy, expectation of privacy. Remember, he said that, expectation of privacy. How does the Fourth Amendment now find itself intertwined with the First Amendment? This is very important. This will be very apparent in the next two weeks when you see what is to come. Just, just listen to this man carefully because we're going to pop over to his explanation of the First Amendment right after this. Because then you will understand. I showed you what they said the First Amendment was. I'm showing you how he's explaining the Fourth Amendment to you on your right to expectation of privacy. Because every single time you sign up with any service, your cell phone, uh, 
Twitter, Facebook, Gab, uh, YouTube, uh, t- uh, Telegram, Signal, all of those. You have an expectation of privacy when you communicate. So again, the expectation of privacy is your Fourth Amendment, your freedom of speech. Using the vehicle of expectation of privacy is key, is very, very key. You think, is the NSA and what they're doing collecting data in order to protect us from um, terrorism? Is that a violation of the Fourth Amendment? Is there an expectation of privacy there on the internet? Is there a societal expectation of privacy? Ooh, booyah. One other thing worth mentioning is the FISA courts, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act of, I believe it's 1978, created a special court system. So if there's some type of threat of maybe domestic terrorism with foreign influences, you know, invading the country or infiltrating the country, that you don't need to go through the ordinary ways to get a search warrant. You can go to this secret court. You can even go, I believe, 24 hours after that, the fact that you got the evidence that you went in without a warrant, you get the warrant after the fact. And basically this secret court has approved thousands of search warrants with probably very little evidence. And a lot of people don't know because it's not transparent. Okay. So did you hear that? So we have been discussing the FISA courts for four years pertaining to warrants on President Trump and his administration. Yes. So as you think about that, listen to what he said. If you believe there is a domestic terrorist threat aided by foreign entities, you are able to go to the FISA court. Therefore, let's see. Remember when when we were talking about these Zoom calls in August and September? And I think it was in July that I had aired one woman who was sitting there talking about their finances, how they were orchestrating all these uh, protests in the summer. And she clearly said that they got $4 million from open societies. Now, if she received $4 million from a foreign entity to torch the United States of America, to instill fear in the United States of America with foreign interference, I'm going to play that again in case you missed it, because a lot of you need to understand what's coming. You can even go, I believe, 24 hours, they created a special court system. So if there's some type of threat of maybe domestic terrorism with foreign influences, you know, invading the country or infiltrating the country, that you don't need to go through the ordinary ways to get a search warrant. You can go to this secret court. You can even go, I believe, 24 hours after that, the fact that you got the evidence that you went in without a warrant, you get the warrant after the fact. And basically this secret court has approved thousands of search warrants with probably very little evidence. And a lot of people don't know because it's not transparent. So there's certainly that to worry about too. So certainly that's kind of another layer on this monkey. Layer on the monkey. Did you get that? So in essence, if there was domestic, Terrorism, I don't know, like maybe the planned infiltration of the January 6th Patriots Day movement or the torching of buildings because of George Floyd or the torching of anything because, I don't know, they wanted to take down the Portland Federal House 
or Jesse Smollett or, 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 and they got any penny from a foreign nation, that would be considered secret and to go through FISA courts. Now, for example, what if your campaign got foreign funds and those foreign funds were being advocated to support, I don't know, letting criminals out that were supporting domestic terrorist activities, such as burning buildings down? Because they were telling you they were protesters, but what does the law say? The news were telling you they were protesters, but what does the law say? What does the law say in regards to FISA courts? Domestic terrorist activity that has foreign influence. Can we get into China? Can we get into George Soros? Can we get into any other foreign influence you might think about? Again, instead of looking at the talking points, focus on what is being said here right now to understand how the laws are the laws and they cannot be bypassed. So let's assume that someone believes that they have an expectation of privacy and therefore uh, they were discussing on Signal or Zoom or Skype or some forum or some DM about receiving money from a foreign entity to promote domestic terror activities. Tell me, how would they argue this? Would it be evidence and admission when they do this? And when they're federal employees in this discussion, how much worse will it get? Again, nobody advertises, hey, the FISA court has 10 cases. The FISA court has issued 100 warrants. It's secret. So what does secret mean? Nobody knows. What does secret mean? Nobody knows. Huh. So somebody's about to get a very rude awakening in the next 48 hours, and you're going to see the expectation of privacy being discussed. Now let's go back to the First Amendment as he explains it so that you can see what is coming. Here we go. Hey guys, welcome to Hip Hughes History. We're continuing with the Constitution for Dummies series, taking a look at the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights because we have our runoff of articles. So let's take a look at the original language, a few ways that you can remember them, and uh, some historical context of that language throughout American history in like five minutes. So students, lifelong learners, cray cray on the internet, start your engines. That's the engines of learning. Here we go. Yeah. So even before we approach the Bill of Rights and start looking at language, I want to talk about the idea of selective incorporation. It's really important to understand, guys, that the Bill of Rights was written for the federal government, federal law, federal action. The states, in a sense, have their own state constitutions. So it's not going to be until after the 14th Amendment, and there's language in the 14th Amendment. You can click right there and watch my 14th Amendment video that basically says that the states have to succumb to the Bill of Rights concepts of equal protection and due process. And then throughout the 20th century, the court starts selectively incorporating some of the Bill of Rights to the states. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, 
or of the right of the people to peacefully assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So you can see the language is really clear. There's only 44 words in there, guys. And if we look at the very beginning of the First Amendment, we can see the Establishment Clause. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. And that language becomes quite interpretable. So what the Supreme Court has done is it's begun to apply, starting in the 1920s, the Bill of Rights to state law. And this blossoms in the Establishment Clause in a case, the uh, Ever decision, Everson decision in 1942. Maybe it's 1947. But either way, what the court basically did was really using some letters that uh, Thomas Jefferson had written to a Baptist association, I believe in Massachusetts, like in 1802, 1803, where he was asked a question about why as president, he wasn't like proclaiming religious days and holidays. And he responded with basically the language where we hear church, uh, a wall between church and state. That was the language in the letter that Jefferson used. So the court used that letter in a sense to rationalize the intention of the establishment clause. So while some strict interpretationalist might say an establishment of religion means just that, like in 1830 in Massachusetts, when Massachusetts was like officially a congregationalist um, established religious state, um, to the idea of can I pass a law saying that we're going to say a prayer, you know, in school. So loose interpretationalists have used the Establishment Clause um, intention of Jefferson and this wall between church and state to build it up pretty high. So the Free Exercise Clause, guys, basically is freedom of religion. And the court is basically adopted in kind of deciding what the language means of a strict scrutiny test. So if we're going to take away your freedom of religion, your free exercise of religion, we better have a really good reason. Like you belong to the Church of Meth. I don't think that's going to pass the mustard. I think that the strict scrutiny test would include you. You're not allowed to do that. So next is free speech, guys. Congress shall make no law abridging free speech. There's always going to be a balancing act, but there's tons of different areas of study in this, whether you're talking about student free speech or free speech during war, commercial free speech, is flag burning free speech, is obscenity free speech. There's so much interesting stuff to take a look at. You certainly probably should do that. But that would be your freedom of speech. We then have or of the press, abridging the press rights. And of course, um, this really goes to the idea of prior restraint. Can the federal government stop you from printing something because they deem it to be hazardous or a security risk? And that's going to be a balancing act as well. Take a look at New York Times versus the United States, a famous case dealing with the Pentagon Papers and the idea of whether we had the right to know of whether the you know, government was lying to us or whether that was going to violate national security. Look at the WikiLeaks case today or what Snowden is doing with um, information from the NSA. It's too hot to handle. There's tons in there to do. You also are going to have the right of the people to peacefully assemble. This is right of assembly. Um, this also goes to the idea of right of association. What if you join the Communist Party in the 1950s? Are you going to have the right to assemble? What if you want to get a thousand friends to go downtown and have a march in front of city halls to free the puppy dogs? Do you need a petition? Um, lots of cool and interesting stuff looking at that. And then finally, um, not to abridge the right of petitioning the government for a redress of grievances. All right. So now 
freedom of speech, expectation of privacy, that's going to come into focus. This is going to be a matter of discussion in the next two weeks. Freedom of speech, expectation of privacy. And that is for this faux administration that has just come on. That is going to be what is going to be embroiling them in the next two weeks. You're going to be hearing about, well, they said this said, they said this said, well, there's an expectation of privacy here when you hear XYZ talking with XYZ or the email between, I don't know, Pelosi and some foreign entity. Uh, This is expectation of privacy. This could be national security. Uh, So we have Fourth Amendment, First Amendment coming into play for them on defense. Now, here is where we need to focus, okay? This is where we need to focus, which is redressing our grievances. How? So by the end of February, you're going to see that everything's just fine. And as I've said, 45 days after January 6th is where all the hard work happens. And this is exactly where the hard work happens. When there's a FISA court discussion, discovery, amendment, renewal, that's all in secret if you cannot find it. So you have to remember what happened today. You need to remember yesterday more than anything. But today, what happened? We saw an administration leave at 12 noon. But before they left, another supposed administration was sworn in at the same time, occupying the same seat at the same time. So think, January 6th plus 45 days. Now I say February 21st to 23rd is when you get the announcement. That's where you're going to see everything's super awesome. And like I said yesterday, was going to be one of the longest days of January. How many of you were like, is the day over yet? Is the day over yet? Is the day over yet? Because a lot has been coming into fruition. A lot has been happening. Now, while many of you are sitting there trolling away, that's great. We love bots. And remember, my nickname was Alice. And I can tell you that the majority of them are algorithms and they look real. So stay away from the bots. Converse with your own people. You have that expectation of privacy because they will reinforce it for us. You understand that? They will reinforce it for us. In the meantime, (laughs) let's look what he says about redressing grievances, which is the stumbling block that all of us are going to see all loud and proud. Because when everyone talks about the First Amendment, it's about, oh, free speech. I can wear whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. And I can, you know, go and march and throw fists in the air and even torch stuff as long as I'm torching things and and the mainstream media approves of it. And, uh, you know, I'm publishing things and it's freedom of speech, so too bad. But nobody ever talks about this section, which is the one section that has been lackluster to many because no one's ever really tried to find a way to address it. Your ability as a citizen to lobby your government, to tell the government through protest or letter writing or raising money or however it might be um, to address your grievances, your problems from the government. So there you go, guys. 44 words. You can do that. Congress. 
So redressing your grievances means that you can tell them that you want something changed. And if they don't change it, then you will change it yourself. Now, uh, the one conversation that I had with a friend of mine that is looking into how to uh, tackle the recall uh, or slash impeachment of Congressman Gonzalez uh, from the state of Ohio has come to a bit of a debacle. So I'm still waiting on that constitutionalist uh, tonight to see how um, we can frame this. Uh, you know, as I said, I'm not a constitutional uh, lawyer or scholar. I can read and just uh, there's nowhere in the Constitution that declares that you cannot recall your, your federally appointed senator or congressman. It nowhere says that. And therefore, if the Constitution doesn't have it explicitly written out, then it goes to the state, right? So the state then has its own constitution that should depict such remedies for its citizens uh, to be able to recall slash impeach their elected officials on that represent them on a federal level. And lo and behold, that does not exist either. So the pickle here is, is that there have been attempts in the past for people to recall slash impeach their senators and congressmen. But the Supreme Court came back striking it down for some reason without citing any specificities. So, as I said, the way this has to happen is by dismantling the whole state government to get it done. Now, on a state level, it's very easy to take down and bring back up your own government, because it's explicitly spelled out on how um, you can do this. And it's actually quite a swift process. Every district has their own state legislature. Uh, about 10% of the people that voted in the last election for them have to be on a signature for that petition. And once you get 10% of them, so if 10,000 people, you know, voted for, you know, Joe Schmo state legislator, you only need a thousand signatures per se. So it's quite easy, quite efficient. Yes. And it's uh, really easy to do when you have a lot of people. So this is how you set that flame to perpetuate. Every fire starts small and then it enrages. This is exactly what has to be done. Though, in order to ensure that I send a proper letter to the House Speaker of the State of Ohio and the rest, requesting that they immediately, in an emergency session, create, create a law that facilitates us the ability to impeach or recall a federally appointed elect, you know, elected official, uh, I have to first ensure that the Ohio Constitution does not have some clause that can be interpreted as such. So that's what I'm waiting for. I'm just waiting to get that together. So the letter then goes out and I even give them a deadline because that's when we get to work and we start one by one. I mean, we could probably do two, three districts within a day. Uh, it doesn't take much and, you know, you could just go down there and get it done. Have people sign. It's over. In places where the state legislator, uh, the, the person that was appointed to the state house or senate, 
sometimes there's only like 6,000 people that voted. So that means 600 signatures. That's pretty much cakewalk if 20 people descend in one place and we just go everywhere. So this is how you start to make moves. And this is going to happen in every single state. Obviously, the lowest hanging fruit is Ohio. Now, I'm going to be creating a, a Slack My audio is so bad. I'm going to be creating a Slack channel, and I will um, uh, invite people uh, to come in, and we will have certain groups and names that we will start putting together uh, research. So when we start the process of impeaching and recalling state legislatures, we need to ensure that we have all the ammunition we need. We need uh, ammunition in regards to their funding, their uh, actions, their activities, their associations. You know, the stuff we do on the big guys, we could do on the little guys a lot faster. And it's way simple. And like I said, a lot of these people are involved with Epstein, Wexner, uh, Barrett Labs, uh, <laughs> Heidi, um, Haitian schools, dirty money, and then some. So it'll be quite easy. And so uh, I'm going to create this Slack channel. Hopefully it'll be live tomorrow because I really have to um, focus on uh, unitedagainstbiden.com today uh, only to put out that information. And uh, so tomorrow, hopefully I will have it with every state um, representative's name uh, and district. Uh, I will have a snapshot of their district so that way you know if you live in that area, uh, there you go. If not, a lot of us can be doing the research and then uh, on a local level we can uh, go and assist those that are locally present uh, to uh, get these signatures. Uh, I don't know about all of you, but my inbox has been filled with demands for donations from the RNC. How many of you are getting that? I am so tired of seeing emails asking them for money. Uh, Claudia is asking for a recount coming to a close in New York. I've got Kevin McCarthy asking me for money, saying our constitutional rights are being violated. None of these people did what they needed to do at the time. And therefore, they were afforded the opportunity to do so. Huh. So they will be held accountable accordingly as well. Now, as I leave you uh, for the day, I wanted to remind you that um, this year of disappointment is going to be one of the most incredible years our nation has seen. Um, everything that we've been discussing for the past three years has been leading up to this. While many troll, many can't see, all you have to do is listen to some of my old shows and see just how many times I've told you about the Hunger Games. How many times have I said it? And yet, what's trending on Twitter right now? Hunger Games. I've told you how this was going to happen and what needs to be done. And I've also mentioned how self-preservation is a big problem. President Trump is our president and will remain so for the next six years. 
And you will see that come to fruition. But what you have to acknowledge is that sitting in your chair, watching TV, tweeting smart things, you know, going on Facebook and sharing things isn't what makes a difference. It's using that pen, using the laws we have that we still have to establish what we need. Four years, as I said, 2021 is where the real hard work begins. And that's because you're going to have to prop them up. You have to ask yourself, for those of you we're defeated. We have nothing. We lost. You have to ask yourself, if we lost, then why are they impeaching him? If we lost, why are they pursuing the impeachment? That's the question you should ask yourself. If we lost, why are they protesting? If we lost, why have they disabled chats and responses? If we lost, why is it that no one is really rallying behind Joe Biden? These are questions you need to ask yourself. What pains me the most is, is that people that have swayed many to be part of the America First movement, to be part of the <laughs> Make America Great Again movement, hijacked it for their own personal gain, whatever that may be. Many of them have uh, sold you hopium that, don't worry, you need not do anything, you just sit back. And that's not something that you've ever heard me say. One thing that I have said is, you have to have faith, and you're going to see how hard work pays off. For those of you that are farmers and gardeners, you can appreciate just how excited you are that when you go to your farm and you... um collect all your vegetables, corn, right? And you work really hard. You're sweating, you're dirty, you're nasty, right? But you collect all of it. And then you go home at night and you're tired. Your body's sore. You jump in the shower and then you're just like, ah, the relief, the satisfaction of having like a whole barn full of whatever, right? You did that. Hard work pays off. And for the past four years, I know I've been working really hard, and I'm sure many of you have too, pounding the phone, supporting your president, and um, trying to make sense of what was to come. Because there had been multiple operations out within uh, the cybersphere, swaying you through rabbit holes and promising you um, an easy peasy way to get things done. But it wasn't so, was it? It was as if you were sleepwalking. And every single time I would point that out. And I didn't want to because it didn't cause much harm. And um, it would have turned off a lot of people if I pointed them out and dropped the list, which is going to be on unitedagainstbiden.com soon. I know many people have been asking for a password. You must be patient. But we said, be careful who you follow. And that some communications were not meant for you, but maybe, you know, others. We have to do the work. We have to toil in that farm so that we can get it. We have a leader and a guy with a tractor right now who's like, yo, who's coming? And a lot of people are jumping ship, just like I said they would. So 
what is it? Um, no pain, no gain. Well, here's where we bring the pain. And the gain is massive. Now, um, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Uh, that was uh, a TikTok uh, that um, Don Jr. did the day before yesterday with Kim Guilfoyle. The president also told you the best is yet to come. Yet, no one pays attention to what he says anymore. And he has to rely on people that can and will put in the work for their nation. Being a free person isn't, is, is, is a right, a God-given right. But you have to work hard. Because there are a lot of evil people that have a lot of money. And since you've given money power, that is the currency that they stomp you with. He said the best is yet to come. And none of them looked really sad. And maybe this is like Lara Trump said, the Lion King moment where, the, where, you know, he dies and then the hyenas take over. And then, you know, when the sun comes in, right, suddenly it's not desolate. So this is the point where you need to start doing the work. He's my president. He is our president. He will be sworn in in March. I don't know why someone put something about April. I didn't say anything about April. I've never talked about April. I stick to what is fact, not fiction. And I don't speculate. I state when I make statements. So what, um, what we saw yesterday was violent marches um, across the nation. What we saw today was what I've been saying, the Hunger Games. And it's actually trending now. And I still don't have people's attention sometimes. SCOTUS gate kicks off on February 6th. I wonder if we have anything to do with that. I'm excited. And it's going to be a busy, busy, busy next couple weeks. But I am very excited. And for those of you that feel defeated, that's, that's on you. That's on you. Because the lies that you've been fed for so long, incredible. And the fact that you've sat there and fallen into rabbit holes that haven't served you, actual factual information is hard. You must focus on yourself, focus on having faith in yourself. If you feel like you lost, you lost. If you feel like you won, you won. And that's how it goes. Here's a video that I played months ago for you guys. And I'm going to play it from start to finish now. It's, uh, it's been re-uploaded a few times. Take a look. Finally tonight, she's out of this world. The current commander of the International Space Station about to break a big record tonight. Here's ABC's Gio Benitez. They call it the Peggy Factor, Mission Control's code word for the way superstar astronaut Peggy Whitson always gets the job done. I love it up here. Tonight, Commander Whitson making history with her record for any American. By the time she lands in September, her tally will be 666 days. 666 days in space. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. If I could turn the page And time that I'd rearrange Just to fail to Close my, close my, close my eyes What you've been watching is a movie and everything that I've been telling you was right in front of you. 
It was a big movie. And if none of you realize that today, I, I, I don't know how else I can show it to you. The actors, the timing. I mean, why were chats disabled live? Epic Times wasn't there. They were streaming it from someone else. This is it. The... How would I be able to say that better without... You just have to ask yourself simple questions sometimes. Simple questions. Don't just take what they tell you as a fact. Even the timing wasn't correct. The timing wasn't cor correct at all. Like I said, you have nothing to lose because they've, they've told you that you have no rights, that you have no voice, that, that you have no option. They are telling you the door is closed, just get over it. But you're still free on paper. They haven't done that unless you let them. And this is where the work begins. He was sworn in 12 minutes prior to the time that he should have, actually 13, because he should have been sworn in at 12.01. So how is it that we had two presidents, two presidents, I repeat, two presidents. There are nations across this planet suffering the same because they are acknowledged by different groups as such, remember? The United States says Guaido, Guaido is the president, right? But the United Nations, who, Europe, and China say it's Maduro. This is where everything comes into focus if you stand on the moon and watch. And as someone that has, I can tell you that there are two. And everything will be just fine. I, like I said, I'm saying 21st to the 23rd of February because it's plus or minus two days. Only because, hey, we were two, two days ahead of schedule. Why did they lock the place down? Why did they have the inauguration set set beforehand? Why have I been pushing the Hunger Games Section 1 so long? They had bots telling you that President Trump isn't their president. Well, here we are, 120 million strong, saying he's not our president. And you'll see how that works. Hunger Games. All you have to do is search it on Twitter and see. You know what? Let's search it together. Because you're going to see why I was telling you that so long that this is where they want you to end up the i've also told you how the government feeds actual scripts oh look at that ladies and gentlemen welcome to the first hunger games the new mocking jay mocking jay went from star wars to hunger games real quick hunger games hunger games hunger games this is this is satanic this is exactly what they wanted you to feel defeat. What is this? How does she even pray? That's what you see. And how many times had we talked about it? How many times have we talked about the Hunger Games on this show for the past three years? Let's go to latest. Make peace with another. They hate you. Oh, there's Michael. Wait till you see some family photos that I hear are pretty spiffy. Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Top. Hunger Games. Let the games begin. Hunger Games. That's exactly what I've been saying for three years. Hunger Games. Yet, you know, I just say things. Like I said, I smoke and I know things. 
Yesterday, I told you it would be a day to remember. You'll see. Because if you paid attention to what happened yesterday, well, why don't you revisit it? Rather than mean spoon feed it to you, why don't you revisit it? So that way you can see it for yourself. Because I can take you to the information. I can't make you understand it. Look, I've said this so many times. How many times did I say Hunger Games? Hmm? How many times? This is exactly the fear they wanted to give you. This is what they wanted you to see. This is exactly how they want you to feel. Fear. Defeat. Why? Because like that guy said, we are many, they are few. And this is what terrifies them. You. You terrify them. So on that note, I'm going to bid you guys goodbye and wish you a great evening and, you know, reflect on what we discussed today, what happened yesterday, and always, always trust your gut, nothing else. Your gut, have faith in yourself. Your gut is divine direction. And keep your eye out on unitedagainstbiden.com or lookingglass.com. I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart. In my I have but one desire, and that one is you. No other will do. I've lost all ambition for worldly acclaim. I just want to be the one you love. And with your admission, you'd feel the same.